With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome to the No Sports Report, a production of iHeartRadio and Treefort Media. Hey, everybody. Wanted to jump in with quick context for today's interview with the legendary Bob Costas. We recorded it on Thursday, May 28th, which obviously is before the civil unrest that our nation saw this past weekend. And I only bring that up because if I had Bob Costas on the show for 20 minutes after what happened this past weekend, that's all we would have spoke about the entire episode. Uh, Instead, we touch on it a little bit. You see, Bob is a hero of mine professionally because he, uh, throughout his career, has seen these injustices uh, in the world, in our country, and been unable to just ignore them. He has to talk about them, even if it affects him professionally, and it has. And that's a big deal. And we talk about it a bit. We also bring up Minnesota a little and what he thinks the responsibility is of a broadcaster or a sports analyst. And, and all that stuff is incredible. And, and listening to it now uh, resonates even more. But I wanted you to know where we were uh, when we recorded it. And we hope to get Bob back on to go more in depth about the revolution that we see in our country right now that I think uh, is a long time coming. Uh, but I hope everyone who listens is safe sound and strong. And uh, now uh, my interview with Bob Costas. My name is Jensen Karp, and I'm a sports fan. And I'm ready for teams to come back, as long as everyone's guaranteed safety and I can handle total silence during games. It's going to be crazy to have no fans cheering during timeouts, enough to hear like Matt Shoemaker cough in between pitches, or make out the click of Terry Stott's pen. Imagine CenturyLink as quiet as a library. Melvin Gordon's right, though. He'll have it way easier with no fans because he's already played for the Chargers. Well, luckily you're here, listening to me talk to athletes and sports industry professionals about what they're doing in quarantine, hoping to figure out if they miss competing as much as I miss watching it. This is the No Sports Report. It would be near impossible to find an important sports clip from the past four decades that isn't narrated by the unmistakable voice of broadcasting legend Bob Costas. The 23-time Emmy Award winner has put words to timeless moments like Jordan's Game 6 final shot, Derek Jeter's last game walk-off base hit, or the infamous O.J. Simpson split-screen high-speed chase. He frontlined the Olympics as host for almost 25 years and has covered Super Bowls, the Stanley Cup Finals, the NBA Finals, the U.S. Open, all three legs of the Triple Crown, NASCAR final races, and championship boxing matches. And he still found time to appear in the 1998 theatrical masterpiece, Basketball. 
He had his own talk show on both NBC and HBO, interviewing guests like Paul McCartney, Martin Scorsese, Jerry Lewis, and David Letterman. He's now currently working at MLB TV, focusing solely on his true passion of baseball, after a somewhat mysterious departure from NBC, a network he worked at for almost 40 years, but had recently come under fire for on-air comments that were labeled as political and critical of sports leagues. There isn't much Bob Costas hasn't done, except survive a pandemic. We talk about what he's up to, the importance of sports for normalcy, and why it's just impossible for him to keep quiet when he knows there's an elephant in the room. For this episode, I'm honored to talk to an idol of mine, sportscaster Bob Costas on the No Sports Report. Call from Bob Costas. To accept, press one. Press Hello, Mr. Costas. Hello. How are you, Jensen? I'm well. Thank you for doing this. I'm so excited to have you on. Thanks very much. Uh, well, I want to start off by asking you where you're quarantined at and with who and how have you been doing? Well, we're doing fine. My wife and I are in Southern California in Orange County, uh, where we have a home. Most of the year we're in New York, but we happen to be here when COVID-19 reached critical mass. So it was best to just stay here. So we're we're safe. We're healthy. So too is my entire family. I miss seeing family and friends in person, but we're doing fine going on two and a half months. Yeah, it seems like much longer for some reason. Uh, for the past four decades, you've had an assignment basically every day of your life. I can't see much more than a, a week or two that maybe was a vacation. What, what does it feel like to have the entire sports world for you come to a halt? Well, not as odd as people might assume. I'd already elected to taper off and leave some of the assignments that I'd had for a very long time. So actually, at this time of the year, I would have been doing baseball ordinarily for MLBN, and that would mean one game a week. But that isn't happening at all now. And if they resume, I don't know whether we would do the games virtually from a studio or even from home watching on a monitor. I'm not sure what the circumstances would be. Uh, but luckily, one of the few upsides of this situation is that we have the modern technology. We have Skype, we have Zoom, we have FaceTime and other modalities that we can use uh, to put programs on. So I've been able to be on the air on MLBN, on CNN, on MSNBC, on ESPN fairly regularly over the last month to six weeks. Well, how have you been passing the time outside of sports, not able to go into the wild or anything like that, like other than the MLB work? What have you done, you know, just like us regular Joes? Yeah, and as people would imagine, I like to go into the wild <laughs> under normal circumstances, deep-sea diving, bungee jumping, <laughs> hunting wild boar with a crossbow. Right. That's pretty much a Costas kind of thing to do. Right. So I'm deprived of that pastime. Uh, actually, what I've done, there's always, we all have books on the shelf that we've been meaning to read. Those books come down from the shelf. Uh, we've got a stash of old movies to watch. Uh, I have tapped into some of the archival stuff that the various networks are showing. So I've watched old Masters on CBS, an old World Series on NLBN, and old NBA Finals on NBA TV. And I'm sure all sports fans have done at least a bit of that. As a matter of fact, this weekend on MLBN, there's a Derek Jeter marathon, which I host, uh, showing the entire broadcast of 13 different milestone Derek Jeter 
games. Oh, wow. Uh, the flip play, the Mr. November homer, his 3,000th base hit, a game in which he went five for five, his walk-off hit in his last at-bat at Yankee Stadium, uh, the play where the kid reaches over in right field and he gets a home run out of it. Out of those 13 games, I happen to have called four of them, so I'm connected to those more than the other nine. But in each case, I introduce them and then have something to say uh, about the game on the back end. But we will show the entire broadcast as it happened on whatever network showed it. Yeah, I mean, that, that is the, the thing that people have sort of connected with, and we saw with The Last Dance, is that people are fiending for sports, and they will watch, they'll watch replays. Yeah. 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 I mean, The Last Dance, I think, would have been a big hit no matter what, mm-hmm. even had it run uh, as scheduled during the NBA Finals in June, which they expected, of course, would be the case. I think it would have had an impact no matter what. But now, especially so, because it's original programming and it was compelling original programming, so people um, really gravitated toward it. Well, I wanted to ask you, because you obviously had a front row seat for you know sports in general since the 80s, and I guess I never truly realized how much society like looks to sports for normalcy. Mm-hmm. It's almost like everyone right now is just waiting for the basketball playoffs or, like you said, the baseball season to look at each other and say, see, it's safe out there. Why, yeah. why is it that, that everyone is looking to sports to tell us that? Well, I think you said it, Jensen. It's part of what is, for many people, the normal rhythm of their lives. The biggest games, the biggest events, of course, stand out. But just the idea, whether you're paying close attention or not, that there's a baseball game, especially baseball, because baseball plays every day. Your team plays virtually every day from spring through early fall. So the idea that the ball game's on, on the radio or on television, you're half paying attention to it, half not. Then when the biggest games come, you're really bearing down on it. Um, and the same thing is true. Uh, you don't have to watch every play of a football game or basketball game or hockey game, but you know it's there. And the highlights on Sports Center or reading about it in the paper or on the Internet, that's part of people's lives. And when that's taken away, it's just one more example of what feels normal that isn't there anymore for the time being. Right. I'm really honored to talk to you today because you've been an idol for me with how much in your career you've decided to speak your mind uh, and, and if you feel something is wrong to say it. And sometimes you've paid a price for it with your work. And we're hearing more and more about these athletes like Dame Lillard and Blake Snell, guys who are raising concerns about returning to sports. Do you see players having a responsibility right now to the game if, if they're being asked to sort of, in other words, be guinea pigs for what's been going on? Well, they have a responsibility in a broad sense in these times and other times. Mm-hmm. They have a responsibility to the game, to the institution, uh, to promoting the game in some sense. Some players are better situated to be able to do it than others, but they all have some responsibility to the game. And they all should understand that they have an interest in the business doing well. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that automatically you make yourself a guinea pig. Uh, there are a lot of vagaries here. A lot of needles to be threaded, um, or is it thread? A lot of needles to, pa- to pass. <laughs> <laughs> to pass through fabric, yes. Yeah, they, there you go. And, and so it's right for the players and their representatives to raise legitimate questions. If you're talking about NASCAR or golf mm-hmm. or tennis, non-team sports, it's easy to see how they could social distance, and as long as they're careful and responsible, come back more readily than team sports. So it isn't just a matter of compensation or what the playoff format is going to be in the case of the NHL or the NBA. It's a matter of do we feel confident that it makes sense 
because sure, we have a responsibility to the game. Mm-hmm. Sure, we have a responsibility to our employers, the teams. But we also have a responsibility to our families and our loved ones and other people around us. Right. So we've got to be, as a group, we've got to be assured that this makes sense before we go forward. And we're talking in a week when there's major civil unrest in Minnesota regarding racial tension. I, I guess my question to you is, why was being heard as a sports reporter so important to you as you know a journalist in a broader sense? But why did you always want to be heard with what you were thinking? I thought it was a matter of a responsibility to the audience. Uh, I wanted to respect their intelligence. A lot of this stuff is right out in front of them. Uh, it wasn't so much that I was doing investigative reporting. That wasn't my role. And we didn't have the resources and wherewithal to do that at NBC Sports. Neither do the other networks. ESPN does. They've got a different situation. But this isn't Frontline on PBS. This isn't Nightline. But I thought that an element of journalism and commentary, uh, done judiciously at the right time, uh, I thought an element of that should be part of the presentation and that people might have expected because of the various roles I had played, mostly in sports, but sometimes outside sports, that people might have expected something different from me than they would from others. And I just could not ignore elephants in the room. Mm-hmm. You're doing a, an Olympics from Sochi, Russia or Beijing, China. It's impossible not to acknowledge that these are authoritarian states. It's impossible not to acknowledge when political differences and, and long-simmering national and ethnic resentments overlap into the Olympics, no matter how wonderful the Olympics may be overall. 95% or more of it should just be about the joy of the competition and the drama and the human emotion. Mm-hmm. But anyone who thinks that the Olympics have ever been free of politics might as well be living on another planet. And there have been times, not a lot, but enough to take note of, there have been times when sports was where societal issues have played out, often as regards race. So those who say stick to sports never heard of Jack Johnson. They never heard of Joe Lewis and the way he was positioned uh, so that white America could feel more comfortable with it. They never heard of Jackie Robinson or Arthur Ashe or Billie Jean King or Tommy Smith and John Carlos. They never heard of CTE in football, steroids in baseball. They never heard of uh, states and municipalities um, purposing tax dollars for stadiums and and other benefits for teams, which may or may not be the right thing to do, but certainly should be discussed. I guess they never heard of any of that. And they just want to hear, here's a ground ball to shortstop. (laughs) Well, if that's the case, they got the wrong guy in me. Well, I genuinely, from my heart, hope there are more of you when we return back to the field after this, because I think it's it's extremely important with what we're facing right now. And thank you. And with the Major League Baseball, that leads us directly into what you do now at the network. And baseball seems to be inching closer and closer. There are major hurdles still on the players' union side, as you know. Do you think, no matter what happens here, though, even if they come to a conclusion, this is an asterisk season? Oh, of course it is. Mm-hmm. Even if everything was fine, even if there were no concerns, everyone believed they had it one hundred percent buttoned up in terms of. Uh, the health and safety aspect, even if there were no financial issues, it has to be because you're playing at most half a season. You're playing it under odd conditions. People have hit 400 over the course of 80 games, whether it was overlapping one season to the next. That's happened since Ted Williams in 1941. 
but no one has done it for a full season. And if someone happens to do it, that's just one example, happens to do it now, uh, that would have an asterisk next to it. And a championship would certainly have an asterisk next to it. You have a new playoff format. And teams that get into the playoffs prior to this have always been vetted for a full season or, as in the case of 1981, when they missed some games because of a labor stoppage or even 95, where I think 18 games were locked off the beginning of the season before they finally got them back on the field. Those were always close to full seasons. Mm-hmm. They didn't play the full 154 in 1918 because of the flu uh, pandemic, but they played enough of a season for the championship to be legitimate, and nothing's ever been close to this. So I think people will have an asterisk in their minds after it, even if the record book doesn't officially note it that way, mm-hmm. but they'll also be understanding. If it happens because of a labor and money squabble, they won't be understanding. But if they're only able to play however many games they're able to play and play them under the altered circumstances made necessary by this unique set of conditions, I think people will be happy to have sports back in some way, and they'll be understanding of the differences, and they'll put it in the category of a one-off. Sure. And and the Olympics obviously decided to do something else. When it comes to the Olympics, there's no host or analyst or reporter or any of those roles you've played for the games that come to mind more than you for Americans. It survived terrorist attacks. It survived boycotts. Do you still fear this gathering even in 2021? I mean, in the past, you've sort of hinted to the idea of what a Petri dish it is anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you're adding on a pandemic that we might not yet have uh, a cure for. Yeah, had they gone ahead, and I I didn't think there was ever much of a chance that they would, but had they gone ahead this summer, of all the sports that should not have returned, or all the events, the Olympics were at the top of that list because you would have brought competitors from virtually every country on the globe into one place, compete together, to live close to one another in the Olympic Village, plus everybody on their delegations, in theory, the spectators, in theory, the media, and then go back to their 100-plus, 200-plus, in the case of the, uh, the Summer Olympics, respective countries, more than 10,000 athletes. Um, you don't have to be an epidemiologist to realize that that would be a true Petri dish for the thing exploding once again. Yeah. And when we look to 2021, when they hope to be able to hold it in Tokyo, I'm not Dr. Fauci. I'm not an expert. Uh, as he has said about this and other circumstances, we don't make the timetable. The uh, the virus makes the timetable. So uh, if they can responsibly do it a little more than a year from now, great. But we got to wait and see. After this, more with broadcast legend Bob Costas. Right now, Feeding America is working tirelessly to ensure our most vulnerable populations, like students who are out of school, the elderly, individuals whose jobs are impacted, and low-income families continue to have access to food and other needed resources during the COVID-19 pandemic. The Feeding America Food Bank Network is committed to serving communities and people facing hunger in America, and their greatest need is donations and support of local food banks. This podcast is committed to donating a portion of the proceeds from the show to Feeding America, and we hope that you can join us in this effort too. Find out how you can help at feedingamerica.org backslash COVID-19. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, 
Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Now, here's the rest of my chat with American Treasure, Bob Costas. You have been uh, all over the place doing some, you know, last dance uh, press here and there. You obviously were were the voice for Michael Jordan in many of his big games. I wanted to know what you thought of this past two weeks of some former teammates coming out and sort of starting to question the series narrative and what Jordan kind of expressed and, and who he really was. I mean, you were there. What, what, what do you think of, of some of these new conflicting reports? Well, I was there for all the games and for some of the interviews surrounding the games, but I wasn't there day to day. I wasn't in Chicago like the reporters who covered the team day to day at the practices and privy to all of that sort of stuff. And I don't, I don't think any one reporter was privy to all of it. A lot of it happened uh, in their personal interactions. So Horace Grant can have his take. Mm-hmm. Scotty Pippen can have his take, and they're entitled to it. Uh, I thought that the, the series did a very good job with the abundant material they had. Nothing is 100% definitive. Nothing. Even the best of Ken Burns doesn't have every voice, every perspective on whatever subject He's covered. But when you look at the last dance, you realize that this is an excellent piece of work. Uh, It had elements of journalism and history, but mostly it was just, it was a a wonderful bit of storytelling. And when something that is that widely seen, obviously the principals, those involved, are going to have an interest in how they're perceived. And they have every right, even though Horace Grant, for example, was interviewed for the last dance. But he has every right 
to uh, try to further his perspective or clarify whatever he thinks has to be clarified in the aftermath. You said you've been watching some of the old broadcasts in the past during pandemic. I wanted to know, you've been with so many incredible voices in the booth over the years as a partner, as a team. Mm-hmm. Now that you have revisited, uh, do you feel like there's anyone that you gelled with the most? I was very fortunate. I gelled with almost all my partners. Ahmad Rashad and I didn't call games together, but we worked in the studio on football. He was the guy on the sidelines and a very good sideline reporter, underrated when I was doing the basketball games. Ahmad and I always gelled personally and professionally. I got Bob Euchre from the very start. I knew how to set him up. I knew how to get out of his way. Doug Collins was a wonderful basketball analyst, in my opinion, the best uh, on the NBA ever. And Doug and I, you know, fell right in to a rhythm. And I'm happy to say that almost everybody I worked with, Tony Kubek in the 80s on the baseball game of the week, all of the people I've mentioned and more remain close friends and I remain in contact with all of them. So that tells you what you you need to know. But I wouldn't put anybody at the the top of the list because because it would slight too many others. Oh, Ahmad, and you remind me of of some great NBA games. And as we wrap up, there's no baseball historian that means more to me than you. Thank you. Do you think the Astros got the right punishment? What would have have been your call? And also, is this break going to help them? I think the break will help them because other things have taken center stage and everything else is put into a different perspective in terms of how much importance we give it. And they're not going to be any fans in the stands. So when the Astros in theory play a road game, nobody is going to be booing them. They'll get around to it. They'll still boo them in 2021 and, and beyond. But time tends to, uh, to take some of the edge off of that. And I think that to a certain extent, Rob Manfred has gotten a bad rap. Hmm. $5 million was the maximum penalty allowed by the terms of the agreement $5 million was the maximum fine that he could levy on Jim Crane, the owner. And then he hits Hinch and uh, Luna with the suspension of a year, and Crane immediately fires them. He needed to get the honest testimony of many players in order to have the information necessary to reach his conclusion. If he had been able, he would have wanted to punish the players, but he couldn't have that fight with the Players Association at this point and still get the information he needed. As I've said before, I'm pretty sure that in the upcoming CBA, just as eventually baseball and the players agreed that they should codify testing and penalties if you use performance-enhancing drugs, I think that there will be specific penalties for players if they engage in this type of activity going forward. So I think that Manfred, under the circumstances, did pretty close to as well as he could have. His biggest mistake actually came after the fact when he referred to the trophy. Well, it's just a piece of yeah. metal. Yeah. But it was taking it away. That seemed too cavalier. He realized it afterwards and apologized. You know, I understand the anger on the part of players and a part and the part of fans. But if they were in Manfred's position, he was constrained to a large extent. I think he did pretty close to as much as he could have under these circumstances, but I think the circumstances will be different going forward. Uh, do you think there's anything in the pandemic that we've taken on as a sort of new plan, a new strategy that you hope sticks around once we're free and ready to go back out there and hunt with you? I'm, <laughs> I'm going to end with this. Uh, I've always thought, I've always said, why don't we do as they do in Asian cultures? Why don't we bow toward people? Yeah. We just smile just under normal circumstances. You're whomever. Walk through the airport, you're recognizing the person. You want to be nice. People want to shake your hand. You shake 200 hands a day. It's nothing against you. It's nothing against any individual out of those 200. The law of averages says you're going to catch a cold. 
You know? So even when there's not a single COVID-19 patient left on the planet, that's what that's something I think we can do without going forward. We can fist bump, we can elbow bump, we can smile, we can nod. I think that's a good idea. Well, thank you. And the, the, your, your voice even calms me during this time. So I appreciate it. And thanks for talking to me. <laughs> thanks, Jensen. Take care. Good talking with you, too. The No Sports Report is produced and distributed by Treefort Media. The show is executive produced by Kelly Garner, Lisa Ammerman, Matthew Kugler, and me, Jensen Karp. Tom Monahan is our senior audio engineer and sound supervisor, with production and editing by Jasper Leak. Additional production help from Tim Schauer, June Rosen, and Haley Mandelberg. Our theme music is composed by Spilkus. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please subscribe, rate us, and review us on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please visit feedingamerica.org. If you're able to make a donation, any amount makes a difference, and you can learn more about other ways you can help on their website. For more information on the No Sports Report, links to the socials, and for show transcripts for our hearing-impaired listeners, go to treefort.fm. Be safe and be well. The No Sports Report is a production of iHeartRadio and Treefort Media. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.